But you had literally two teams working on horses' balls. <laughs> and that is going to be the title of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I sh- yeah, I probably should. <laughs> I'm with you, Karima. <laughs> Hi, my name is Shante Daniels, host of Non-Player Conversations, and if you can't tell, this episode is a little different from the others. This is the penultimate episode of the season. The second to last episode for people who don't know what penultimate means, so I had to shake it up. This time, I'm with two guests. Angelique Rocher, a journalist, lawyer, and host of Marvel's Voices and Geeksplain, and The Blurred Girl, otherwise known as Caramel Horn, a contributing editor for Sci-Fi and a consultant for Thailand Creative. Together, they host the live podcast show The Radical Geeks, and also together they are just a barrel of fun and cool conversation. In this episode, I sit down with the two to talk about the differences and similarities between video games and comics and basically whatever else they feel like talking about. Also, just a bit of a warning that there is a little static when Angelique speaks, but it isn't for the entirety of the episode. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Um, So so I know both of you are more, I would say, like experts on comics and movies. Um, Can you guys give a little background on, on your experience with with gaming. Caramel, you first, love. (laughs) I knew she was going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny because online, um, like in my social media and stuff like that, I do not call myself a gamer. Um, I do play games, but I feel like the gaming community is very serious. And if you come out there and say that you're a gamer, you're going to have to, you know, like prove the games you played and back it up. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, What I'll say is I am a first-person shooter and fighting style type gamer. So I I, le- I love, like, I've played all the Tekkens. Every Tekken in existence i played. Um, and Street Fighter and all, things like that. I, there's a lot of, I know RPGs are very popular right now. Yeah. They confuse me because I don't have a lot of time. And I, I just want to sit down and I, wanna, I, want, I want to fight things. I want to turn it on and start fighting. Um, and... <laughs> The first time, or I guess it was maybe the second iteration of uh, Assassin's Creed, I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. It's gorgeous. And just look, the graphics and everything looked intense. The fighting looked great. And I started to play it. And then it started asking me questions. Questions with outcomes and things like that. And in my day job, I like produce. So I felt like this is work. <laughs> so RPGs are not necessarily for me. Yeah. <laughs> what Cameron is trying to say is she's not here for your mission. <laughs> and or collecting any of your tokens. Or but but I, I do I am, your questions. <laughs> I am fascinated though by side missions. I will say this. My boyfriend plays uh, Final Fantasy and I am always fascinated. Like if there is a cat standing in a pool of light on a corner, I'm like, follow it. Like that is <laughs> I am fascinated by side missions. Um, but I can see I do not think me personally, like I have played Mass Effect for about 20 minutes, but I, I do not think I can handle the saga of playing like Andromeda or any of those games for that long. Spider-Man, on the other hand, I'm going to dip my toe in that water very shortly because now I've seen people go through it just like Angelique, who has finished it, whose name also happens to be in the credits. <laughs> I adore you for that. Um, 
Wow. Uh, so me, uh, gaming. I probably, I will tell you the first three games that I remember playing are Atari, the Star Wars game, uh, Reading Rabbit and Mac Rabbit. No one judged me on that because they yeah, no, were see, fundamental. I, wasn't, well, I was not going to go that far back because then we're like aging ourselves. I, and that's I, all don't, I don't care. You're uh, on that bus by yourself. And Donkey Kong, which I rented from Blockbuster. So I oh, just want to go ahead and just uh, establish who I am <laughs> when it comes to games. Uh, and, 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 you know, I really, I had an NES, uh, totally skipped Super NES and went straight to Sega, had a Game Boy. I don't want to talk about that traumatic incident, uh, which we call the Game Boy incident of the 90s at the Roche household. Uh, upgraded to a Game Gear, played, you know, played a lot of, although I am, I am also a fighter, um, I am very much a fighting game. You know, the DOAs, the Mortal Kombat, uh, like literally Mortal Kombat when it was on a floppy disk, again, aging myself. Um, <laughs> but, you know, also stuff like Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know, I came from a household. My parents were not about to buy the, the, the really expensive games. And back then, like nobody, you know, my parents were not dropping $40 on a game. Uh, so I got the $5.99 999 games uh and did what I could with them uh and eventually I actually went over to the DDR side and rock band um and honestly still own I have just danced 2017 2018 2019 you can judge me for all you want I love dancing <laughs> um I love Panda Bear. I honestly did not know we were going this far back see <laughs> I, I was not I, aware I'm it out man <laughs> I'm just, just laying it out uh but now I am I'm a PlayStation 4 person uh, I am not also not a huge RPG person. Uh, I do enjoy first person shooters. I am just getting into mission games um, only because they will they will consume my life. Like I literally won't leave like it's hard enough playing Pokemon. Let's go. I didn't think you were going to leave the house with trying to find all Spider-Man's backpacks. I'm like, this girl ain't going to finish this game. Did you see what happened? So the funny thing <laughs> is, so we had a watch party at my house, and this should, this should tell you who who we are as people, um, <laughs> that involved sushi and alcohol. And I was just like... And I, I was really screaming at her television. I was. I should have been sharing. The, the, the whole point of having it the night of downloader was to share it. Uh, but clearly, I didn't play the missions of Spider-Man, except what you kind of have to. Like, you have to beat um, certain things to actually get into the game. Dude, I got so caught up on getting backpacks and opening up the grid that I don't think I got to the main mission. Yeah, like Chuck got, Chuck got way farther than you. He was like three suits ahead of you, and you were like, I'm going to get this backpack. It was just <laughs> terrible. Let's be real though. Like now, I, I got all my suits. We're good. We're good. Uh, but I'm also I'm also excited by stuff like Fallout. Uh, I wasn't a huge Fallout fan when it first came out. I am not a computer gamer, mm -hmm. so I, that is one thing that I have a lot of really cool friends who love computer games. They love RPGs. They love going through the storylines and and playing characters. And they love these missions. And I'm just like, guys, I will never leave my home again. And <laughs> it frightens me. Um, yeah, they're addicting. Oh, and, and they're they great. They are. And the, the um, do, you, do you play Fortnite at all? Because I was just, 
talking about this. Um, yeah, Fortnite. Well, no, I was just we were just talking about this, right? How Fortnite, like parents were starting to put their kids into uh, rehab programs. Yeah, and I remember. I remember hearing the same thing about World of Warcraft a few years ago. You remember that? We're like, oh, people have to go to rehab because they cannot stop playing this game. Dude, and that's and that's why I love the games that I play, right? Like, I love Spider-Man because at a point, the game will be over. Like, I don't I don't care how many DLCs you give me, at a certain point, unless I am going back to do the game at a higher level or get more points or get perfect at X, Y, and Z, there is an object that you can achieve. Right, mm-hmm. like there's, it is not. There's, 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 end, there's end credits. There's, there's just... end credits, right? And so I think that's the thing that worries me about the fact that I still actually play Pokemon Go. Yeah, I'm that person. I still do, and I play it in multiple countries, um, because at some point, only thing you're, there's no end. There is no end to right. Pokemon no, Go. It's, it's like Naruto. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's yeah. never going to stop. Now, the one thing that I didn't bring up was I did grow up in a house. Of gamers. Angelique's the youngest. I'm the oldest. Yeah. And I yeah. and so that means she got a lot of, away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't I know if not. that's true. What that meant is I usually was the last person to get the controller. <laughs> yes. As the youngest person in my family, yes. <laughs> that's what that Ooh. meant. <laughs> and my sister still technically my sister right now still has my Sega Genesis. It's disturbing. I was like, how do you have my Sega, like, how is that even a thing? Mm-hmm. Like, that was you weren't even living with us at that point. That's not cool, Robert Frost. <laughs> and, and but the funny thing that happened in my household is my brothers were not just gamers, but they were. Um, well, I, I come from a household of geeks. Like, we just are. We've got this like is a. All, this is very we, true. We have a family account to Crunchyroll. This is this is. I'm not making that up. <laughs> so, um, like, even my mother watches like. Uh, like Korean soap operas on Crunchyroll. Anyway, so the Wait, my brothers, what? yeah, she watches know. like Taiwan. She watches like Taiwanese and 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 Korean dramas, and I watch anime. My brothers watch anime, and then any any like new. Uh, one of my brothers like really likes brand new anime, and the other one likes classic. They're twins. It's a thing. The one's always doing the opposite of what the other one does. But anyway, they were really big about. They would always uh, rejigger their the gear. So basically, oh, I couldn't customization. I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't man. play with a lot of the stuff because they had customized it, and they'd also cracked their Sega Genesis or their Dreamcast and stuff. And they were playing like they had modified. They'd modified the gear to play like Macross Plus, but the Japanese version that only came out for six months. Like all the screen, ca- like all of the cool, all the dialogue and everything on screen was Japanese. Like, how do you know this? I don't. But if you're cool, you know how to play it. So it was like, this is too much work. Again, like an RPG, it's, it's too much work. I can't just turn it on and shoot things. I don't want to play it. So I did not play a lot of video games with my brothers for that reason. But yeah, we had a there was a lot of gear that I ended up selling. Um, we when we sold the house, it was like my job to sell a lot of stuff on eBay, and they were furious. But I made like. I made a lot of money because <laughs> they customized <laughs> so many things. It was so many hard, so many hard to find things that yeah. So I got my ve- revenge eventually. <laughs> Yo, I love it, dude. 
I love it, dude. That's yeah, why that's, I love you so much. It's kind of <laughs> like a moral of the story is don't customize stuff because it will get sold. Yeah. Also, the moral <laughs> of the story is that the oldest will always be that person. Let's be real. My yeah. sister still old. My sister still has my Sega Genesis, and she still has our original Nintendo. My sister is ten years older than me, son. <laughs> and what are you What are you doing with my looking, Monopoly for Sega Genesis? That's not cool. She's looking to see how much it's going to be on eBay. She knows what she's doing. Man, I'm taking it home at Christmas. You think it's a game? <laughs> yeah, my sister asked to borrow my GameCube because for a while she didn't have internet, so she wanted something to play. And then she she said she would mail it back to me, and she said that like five years yeah, ago. It's gone. It's yeah, gone. you're not you're not you're not getting it back, dude. She's not. She hasn't even touched it since. But I'm never getting it back. I I know. I did give away my Wii this year. That was a very sad moment. I gave away my Wii and my DDR dance pad and turned it in for Just Dance. It was a sad, sad moment. Aww. <laughs> yeah. So even so, I, I don't have a lot of experience with comics, but I feel like I I kind of get my comics through video games when they become video games. And my my favorite video game is The Walking Dead. Um, and I, I feel like one of the reasons why I love it so much is because of how diverse the game is. Um, and I know this, I know the show itself. I don't, I'm, well, to be honest, I haven't really watched the show, so I'm not sure how diverse the show actually is. It's it's pretty diverse except for the zombies. The first two seasons of zombies were apparently all black people, but that's a different story. Oh, <laughs> no, the show is the show is very diverse, and I will honestly tell you, I was the same thing. I was the same way with Resident Evil and the movies. Like yeah. I'm obsessed. For, I own every single Resident Evil, some on multiple formats. Uh, so I totally dig that. Angelique is a little bit obsessed with zombies, so you are in her wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I do love me a good zombie slash pod people infestation. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think one thing I appreciate though about the Walking Dead game is like something I've noticed and and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm I'm gonna start talking about comics, which <laughs> is something that I still know very little about. But um, I feel like comics have been way more open to diversity than gaming has. Um, for example, I feel like there are more like black people writing comics. So like Roxanne Gay wrote for Black Panther and Evan Narcisse and Eve Ewing is, is going to write, uh, or written a series of comics. And, and I feel like there's like way more acceptance towards it. Whereas games are still super slow when it comes to having like non-white people as main protagonists. Man. And I, 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 I'm about. I'm gonna jump in before camera does, but I know what camera is about to do. <laughs> I think it's a double-edged sword. I think, and as a, a person who who is like, I've sat down and talked to Jacinda Chu about the diversity of Spider-Man, and I'm just using that because it is it is going to be multiple multiple award-winning. And the reason I say that is not because I love the game, and it's not because I. Um, do work with Marvel. It is because when you look at the game, there are characters in hijabs. No, the police chief that they're dealing with is an Asian woman. Like there is. Wait, wait. I think we need to tell everybody who Jacinda Chu is. Also. Oh, I will. I will. So Jacinda Jacinda Chu is the art director 
uh, at Insomniac Games, who also worked on Sunset Overdrive. Uh, she did a lot of work on sports games, but she is Asian American and also huge gamer. Her sister also works in games. Um, I say all that to say, though, and in particular, Eve Ewing is actually working right now on Ironheart. And Ironheart is a young woman named Riri Williams who is currently at MIT in the storyline is from Chicago and is basically the black woman version of Iron Man. She created her own suit. She's absolutely brilliant. It's fantastic. And I love it. And you're right. Roxane Gay did do um, some work uh, on Black Panther as well as um, Nettie for Evan Narcisse, uh, Christopher Priest. And then you have other folks like Saladin Ahmed, who's currently writing Miles Morales, who's also, you know, doing a lot of other work. And I think there's this huge swath of folks who are people of color, um, the Mariko Tamakis, the Vita Ayala's, um, the Regine Sawyer's, like folks out there, whether it's independent or at the big houses who are out there in comics. I think it's very different, and in my personal opinion, and Karima, you know, chime in, when you deal with comics, one of the reasons there has been so much substantial diversity in creation, right, because you saw a, a very different diversity in the characters, even when they weren't people of color that were creating the characters, like Luke Cage, not necessarily created by someone who was black. But you did have a black character. You know, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee created Black Panther, right? Mm -hmm. But with this idea that there has been more of a democratization of uh, comic books, because as expensive as it is to get into comic books, as expensive as it is uh, to print on your own and be an independent creator and have your own printing place, um, it there is an ability to democratize it more because I think there is a lower barrier to entry than there is with video games, except for games that come on the phone. Phone platforms have been more accessible, particularly since Samsung um, and Android have an open platform and iPhone not so much, which is why you have a court case right now where creators are suing for barry because of barriers of entry into creating apps on the iPhone iOS. But I think you you deal with such a different platform when you've got big names and also the fact that you've got to have some place to develop it. You've got to have a big name behind it. You've got to have a substantial amount of coders. Whereas you can have one creator and one writer go in and create a comic book. Mm -hmm. I think video games is just so much of a bigger undertaking, not in a good or bad way, but I think it has been easier and also obviously you know marvel turns 80 this year so you're also talking about the fact that video games did not exist um when comic books first came out so you've had a longer legacy um you know so i i think it's 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 kind of hard to compare but also i think video games can take a you know they could take a, a note from the page in the book when it comes to comic books because I honestly think when you're dealing with these platforms, when you're dealing with the, the cost and the barriers of entry to get on PlayStation 4, to get these games out, it's changing because of being digital, 
-hmm. It's changing because you have, you know, these platforms where you don't really have to walk into a GameStop to download a game. Um, you know, I have a terabyte drive on my PS4, so I don't have to go to GameStop. And like we did in the past, you had to buy a cartridge or buy a CD, and that's the only way you can play a game. And then you only saved certain data in the progress of your game. Eventually, once the systems allow you to do that, you know, now you have the digital store, but I don't think that democratization has caught up in the same way way mm -hmm. i'm gonna stop talking i'm gonna go on a rant so sorry no no this is fine no no no, no. The, the i think that i agree with everything that Anjali said but i also think it's a little bit different and i i'm having a lot of conversations about this recently um a lot of the people that you named um when you were talking about comics and diversity in comics yes it seems like they're doing a uh, they're doing a lot but each of these creators is really only getting like one off, so only getting one, one or two books. That's with the exception of Net, um, Nettie. Mm -hmm. um, the and also you're also talking about the big two, the majors, which are um, Marvel and DC. In the indie comic space, there's a lot of people of color. Um, we're but a lot of people I think, don't. And know. I also think making the same point because there is an indie comic space. There's not there's, a video game space. No, there is, though. That's the thing. I was going to say, there's an indie game space, but I only see it at conventions. Mm. I do not see yeah. a generalized, yeah. wide, like, I'm, and I'm not a huge Twitch, you know, like, sitting up watching Twitch all day, but I, I, I've met a lot of women and people of color who have indie games, and they introduce them at conventions. And that, but they're introducing them and they're showing them on multiple platforms, including like Anjali said, um, your phone. So just like it takes a lot, like Marvel or DC, you got larger teams putting out comics because of volume and timing. Like there's literally like 16 comics that come out a day, like out of Marvel and DC because, and, and digital, you know? Um, and then we're not even gonna talk about the big ones that come out every Wednesday because every Wednesday, is a comic book day. Um, when it comes to indie comics, the calendar's a little bit different, the deliverable's a little different, and the same thing is with indie games. So I'm seeing, I know that there's women, a lot more people of color that are making games for the phone, just for the very reasons that Anjali said, like in terms of the Samsung situation and everything else. But that barrier of entry is lower because there's so many apps and templates now to for you to create your own game on mm -hmm. um like I, I could literally this evening create an app for my phone not necessarily a game but an app the the templates and things like that are out there now um so i think what it is is the fact that we have to redefine what and where our our you know audience is because i think what happened with comics is comics has had more just got there a little bit sooner. Mainstream comics got female creators and then people of more people of color um, making comics. Although a lot of them have been there already, but we didn't know because of social media, we got to start see, to see people's faces. Um, we got that in comics first. Gaming, comics gate is, I mean, Gamergate is still pretty young. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened in, in, um, 
speculative lit and 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 science fiction, you know, the Hugo Awards and the sad puppies and the angry puppies and all that stuff. Same thing. We don't need women. We don't need women of color. And here comes N.K. Jemison, you know, with basically winning the high Hugo Award, which is like the highest science fiction literary award three years three years running. Mm-hmm. So things have definitely changed. I think gaming is the last to get that change. For instance, the League of Legends um, tournament that was a couple of weeks ago, the world the world uh, championships. I know I'm butchering the name, but it's basically their version of the worlds. And um, they had obviously their everybody that was playing that game that was in the finals was male, but there was a lot of performers and obviously characters in the games that are female. And there was a lawsuit that was filed that week in Korea against Riot Games because they literally have literature they don't even play. They literally have literature that's like, this is not for women. Women should not be allowed to make or create these games. They tried to promote um, a, in fact, they tried to create a female gaming group, like a K-pop group or something, a few years back, where they literally like trained girls that they thought were pretty to play the game publicly so that they could say they had a public group, but they weren't actual gamers. Mm-hmm. So it's just this very, I think gaming, um, and unfortunately, they, it seems to be gender bias gets fought before uh, race and ethnicity, which is weird for those of us who happen to be both. Mm-hmm. So, and let's not even, you know, and then if it's LGBTQ, it's like, <clears throat> they, I feel like that ends up being third, you know, so it's going to happen. Is it happening quickly? No. But what I think is going to happen is the indie game platforms and the platforms that are on um, basically um, the phone, as well as platforms that not everybody is using yet, like VR, because I think VR is another thing that the barrier of entry is getting lower mm-hmm. um so i think in a lot of these I new platforms and a, and a new uh new type of gaming we're gonna see more creators of of color and i know they're already happening in africa um but it just hasn't gotten here yet i think vr is also going to be very interesting just to piggyback on that with uh, on that karma I still think there is a barrier of entry to how much it costs to develop the game out. And I think that's the, and you make a, and Karima makes a, a perfect point on this idea of democratization is going to happen on the phone. Yeah. It's going to be mobile first. And um, Afri- like I said, I keep bringing up, up Africa because I've seen two or three games created, I contributed to two or three Kickstarters on games coming out of South Africa and Zimbabwe over the past year that look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but both of those are like desktop games, like like uh, PC games, um, not platform specific, but they both have talked about mobile will be their first rollout because it's just simpler to uh, access. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I noticed too that, so typically games come out, if not from the United States, then Japan or um, like Europe. But I have noticed mm-hmm. a lot more games have been coming out in other countries. Like uh, Mexico is actually starting to, to grow in game development um, and, and Africa, like you mentioned. So I think that is, like you, meant, like you said, it's kind of like a, a, 
a sign that things really are changing and accessibility is starting to grow for gaming. Um, just because coding, like just learning to code is a task. Like it's, it's difficult to do. And then also if you want your game on the PS4, there's like so many rules for that. If you want it on the switch, there's even more rules for that. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and I think one of the great things about PC is that there are platforms like steam that, um, a lot of developers say it's, it's easier to get your game on steam than it is on a console. Um, And I think that accessibility has helped a lot, just like telephones. Um, But it's so weird because it's like, you know, video games are young, are young compared to other art forms. And you would think because it's so young, it would be so welcoming. (laughs) At least that's what I would think. Like, you know, like you're coming from this, this era, you think you'd be a little bit more welcoming than other art forms. And yet it's like one of the slowest to, to let people in. And it's so frustrating yeah, well, I think extremely. it's similar to the internet, right? It's, it's yeah. the internet and the the way the boom happened with the internet. At this point, Google's not about to let you in. Yahoo is barely clinging on, you know. And it's not in a in a bad way. It's just it grew so fast. What what do you say to that at at the end of the day when you're mm-hmm. trying to get folks in there because the platforms are not cheap to build and the more they build out the more advanced it gets the more advanced the technology gets Mm -hmm. exactly and and technology is already seen as like a white male field um that just trying to enter that field as anything but that is a struggle yeah i mean that's why tech crunch had to create disrupt and they actually had to say go out of their way to let people of color know that they're, you know, they were welcome because it's like, yeah, you say that that we're welcome, but are we though? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I think they, and here's the other thing I've, and I've even had this with conventions and, and, and panels and things like that. I've asked, been asked to be on. If you are invited to something and you are asked to participate in something and you're the only one, only woman, only black woman, only LGBTQ representation, only all three. And they're saying, hey, we want you here, but you don't see anybody else there but you. You know it's going to be work. You know what I mean? Unless, Mm -hmm. so that's why I I always tell people, like, if it's going to be a convention, a game, or whatever, um, period, I roll deep. You know what I mean? Like, if you're invited, bring other people, bring your crew, bring other sisters, brothers, whatever, with you so that you don't feel alone even in that space. Even if you're the only one on that panel, you have somebody in the audience that looks like you. You know what I mean? That could tell you, you know, that could cheer you on. Uh, or if you're at going to a competition, you know, roll deep. Because it. everybody realizes it's a problem, like the lack of diversity in these spaces. But there's not a lot of people... That are equipped or know how to properly solve the problem. So, for instance, like if mm-hmm. everybody on the board of a particular group or a particular game or or, or everybody on the uh, plan committee, the design committee, or whatever, if none of those people are people of color, but they realize that they have a problem, and they ask one person to be their consultant and not necessarily like a team, 
that person has to take all that responsibility, you know? Um, and also, it's really hard to get somebody who's literally, like, for instance, if I said to somebody, this this is a game that is based on um, Hakka and some, you know, a Hakka and a, a Samoan mythology, and your reference is only, like, the rock in Wikipedia, that's a problem. You need to get some people in so that you don't start putting runes and designs and stuff in your game that are literally either wrong or completely racist or cursing your family for seven generations. Like you, you, the, the concept of actually talking and involving people, um, as opposed, and there's all this talk about cultural appropriation and things like that. And what's cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And I usually say if literally absolutely nobody that planned this game is as is belongs to the ethnic group that you're trying to represent in your game, it's appropriation. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just, just, it's, it's math. And a lot of people want to make it like, well, they met, well, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It's just, it doesn't, you're going, and you're not going to please everybody. But when we're talking about playing these games out from the coding to the design, it has to be there. Cause you can have seven or eight dudes in the in in the back that are all like brothers or just people of color or whatever. But if but they're designing a character that's female, um, that comes out looking totally hypersexualized or whatever, unless that's the design of the game, you guys decided on that. You can't be upset when a bunch of women go, "Hey, what is this nonsense? Why does she Why does she look like Starfire? I don't understand." So it's like, so. It's a, it's about, um, I also think just actually the planning of these, these games needs a little bit more help because, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the game that everyone was playing, um, a couple months ago. It was like a really big deal. It's a girl with like red hair. It's like a dystopian era and you're like fighting. Horizon Zero Dawn. Thank you. Horizon Zero Dawn in my world Horizon Zero Dawn is a perfect example. We don't we don't have any people of color involved. We don't have anybody that we're gonna we're not gonna take the time or the money to focus group or do some research on this. So we're not gonna make any characters people of color, and we're gonna make each of the characters wear literally designs from like nine different ethnic groups, and we're gonna call it fantasy so we don't get in trouble. Right. So, but the girl rolls on the screen and I'm like, okay, so she looks Irish, but she's got like Jamaican dreadlocks, Samoan tattoos, like um, Egyptian hieroglyphs, South American, like Mayan symbols. What's happening here? <laughs> it's like they like rolled to anthropology and bought all the earrings. It was like that, that, that's what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. For the record, I really like Anthropology. It's a great store. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think I think you're right though. The games uh, they take shortcuts. Like they think that there are ways to kind of avoid representation or or just doing research, basically. Um, and they'll tell you that they don't have the time. It's like yeah, but it took you six years to release this version. Right. Really? <laughs> you couldn't take like I don't know, like a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. It's it's always a ridiculous when a, a large title, like a triple A title that you know has a lot of money behind it, 
just can't really find the funds or the time to to actually put in the work uh and that's like that's exactly why i don't really play a lot of AAA titles <laughs> to be honest with you uh, a lot of the games i play are the indie titles that i feel like come with a lot more care and and work even when it's usually just one person making the game i can just mm-hmm. tell that there's way more care and thought that went in than uh than a, than a big title so yeah and i mean like red, red dead redemption like everybody's uh, really really excited because you can <laughs> you can punch a clan member and you can like apparently when it gets really cold your horse's balls will freeze up what but you couldn't do a single bit of research on the like the native americans that might be in this <laughs> right game but you had literally two teams working on horses balls <laughs> <laughs> and that is going to be the title of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's great. I sh- yeah, I probably should. I'm done with you, Karma. This is this is what happens when I let you start talking, and you have either coffee flavored vodka or margaritas. This is really what happens. But I think Cameron makes a really good point, right? And I think at the end of the day, this is one of the reasons why it's so so important that both of us do the work that we do, right? Both of us do it not because obviously we're we're dorks uh, and and we're geeks and we love genre and and across the board genre, right? Like I don't necessarily love horror films, but I love me a good vampire, zombie, alien invasion, Independence Day, save the world. Uh, moment where the alien explodes in gushy horribleness. Um, and But we do it because, you know, and this is something that I am working on now is like writing out what does it mean for black folks to exist in the future? What does it mean for Latinx folks to exist in the future? What does it mean for Star Trek to be as diverse as Star Trek to be as diverse as, as it has been with Star Trek Discovery, but mm-hmm. also how when we're in such a world where kids are being exposed to video games and computer interfaces, do we stop problems like the he, she, them, their conversation that Google had to ban? in its new predictive software in email where it was automatically assuming because of right now the preponderance of people who are engineers or male that it was saying, or people who identify with being a man, that it was he, him, every time you type the word engineer. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of exposure when it comes to software, and I say this like I say it with comic books, you know, the kid who's getting a switch right now who can't pick their shade or doesn't have, you know, a avatar that looks like them will question their idea of the normalization of what they look like. Like, I hate the fact right now, and I, I love my PS4 or whatever it is, but tell me how many avatars on the PS4 look like us. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, unless you're playing like Mass, Mass Effect and you take four days to create it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, and we're even talking about to the point of your, your avatar that's on your open screen. Yeah. And they're based on games. They're based about, they're based off of games and the fact that these games, regardless of where they're set, do not depict us. 
And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, that extra moment, that extra second, that extra step, that extra idea when you're spending millions of dollars on a game. And and honestly, and I know I go back to this, this is why Spider-Man has been so successful. Mm -hmm. This is why Spider-Man has been so successful because people go and play that game and they can see themselves. And whether that's in the personality of Peter Parker, whether it's in the fact that Mary Jane actually has practical shoes on, whether that's in the fact that Martin Lee looked like Martin Lee was supposed to look, whether it's the fact that um, the police chief looked a certain way or, you know, there was... I'm just happy that, I'm just happy that Lexington and Third actually look like Lexington, I mean, Lexington and Park looks like Lexington and Park. (laughs) When you went to Harvard, Harvard was there. And so... You have this concept because you had folks who took a step back and they could have released it three years ago. Mm-hmm. They could have released it last year and they kept holding it because there was another thing they could have made better. Mm-hmm. And they have women who have worked on the storyline. Yeah. Oh, clearly. Wait. And then, and, and also there's definitely, there, there's so many, uh, there's, there are pride flags in the game. There's there's the well, I, yeah. I was a fan of the Wakanda Wakanda Embassy, um, and you know my favorite line in the game was when he was like, "My web slingers bring all the boys to the yard." I was like, "Who in this game was listening to Khalees when they were coding? Who? <laughs> Who? Because Khalees and my milkshakes was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> I did just hear that song like a few days ago, and it's still good. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It's like it's it's timeless. Mm-hmm. All the boys to the yard. <laughs> but yeah, I I think I think one of the problems with games sometimes is that basically it's it's tech, like it's it's art, but it's also technology, and it has those same plagues that other software have, like Google assuming an engineer is a man, um, or there's a lot of examples where technology like equipment just doesn't fit a woman's body because it was Mm -hmm. tested on so many men that they didn't even think to try to get someone else (laughs) to wear it um and and gaming you know even though it i i always associate it more towards art it's still a piece of tech which means it still has those biases whereas i feel like comics while it still has its problems as well i think it's easier for someone to you know pick up a comic and see themselves than it is to pick up a game. I think there there are way more comics that'll have people of color or people of other di- uh, diversities than than pick up a game. You're more you're, you're just more likely to see a white man <laughs> on a game. I feel at yeah, least. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. Or if you see yeah, if just... you see a girl, it's going to be more of the like anime type style. But yeah, it's. It's frustrating, but I don't want to say that nothing's changing. I think things are changing, but just like, like we don't see anything a seed is doing <laughs> until until it breaks ground. I I want to hope and pray that like in a year or so we're hearing that like oh yeah no this is the best new game out and this is the black woman that created it. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering about the influence of indie comics because right now I see a lot of the popular titles like we mentioned. Spider-Man or um, Black Black Panther, those are kind of like the big ones. Um, But have you seen indie comics kind of inching in popularity as well? 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, absolutely. I would say there's, yeah, and there's two companies, Valiant Comics and Image Comics, that people are barely calling indie anymore because they they're just not Marvel and DC, right? I'm sorry. You wouldn't consider Boom and indie anymore. You would. It was just Valiant and because I mean, I do, I do to a certain extent still consider Boom involved, but Image and Valiant are moving the units as quickly almost as Marvel and DC. What they don't have is the volume, but they're moving at the same rate when they get it on the shelves in the stores. But they're just, they're just, uh, they literally, the great thing about Valiant's universe is they don't, they have a very, their business model is not dropping a comic every 15 minutes. They have a very succinct world and universe, and there's only a certain number of, comics that come out, which is why I think they look so good. Um, Image is more of like the comic book creators creator. There's so many Marvel and DC creators that have their own pet projects through Image. It's hilarious. Um, because it's like, well, I'm, I'm doing this in between my other gig with Marvel and DC because this is like what they really love. And they can, and Image doesn't necessarily push their, they don't uh, push a schedule on them. If you tell them you're going to make, you know, you're going to get your stuff out in time for solicitations, they're going to expect, you know, you to hit that deadline. But it's not like Marvel and DC where you could be yanked off a book if you, if you take too long. And, Val- and Valiant's also making um, strides. Like there's a Valiant movie in the works. There's two actually. Um, Bloodshot's going to come out um, next year starring Vin Diesel. We were just talking about uh, Vida Ayala. Vida Ayala has um, Livewire, which I really hope it's made into a movie. Yeah. And that's about a black woman. Oh, nice. See, that's great. I, I feel like, I feel like as far as games go, there's there are tons of indie games. And every once in a while, an indie game will just, like, explode in popularity. Yeah, it'll surface. Yeah. It'll surface. Yeah. Um so I, I was I was wondering if, if comics are kinda of in that same space. And it, it seems like it seems like they are. Which is which is good because that means more voices. Hey camera, Crowded is under who is Crowded coming out under? Crowded I'm pretty sure it's image, but I'm gonna yeah, check right now. Yeah, I'm like literally looking for my copy that I just finished reading. Yeah, crowded is image. Crowded is image, and, and, I, and it already right. is being made into a movie. Yeah, it's options, right? Yep, it's already been options. And um, the star is a black woman. One of the stars, yes, yes. We I don't think it's it's been cast, but the the two main characters are. Um, women and one of them is a is a black woman and the writer who I got a chance to interview Christabella was saying that he would love it if it was um oh it's really funny I was I was about to say Val- Valkyrie <laughs> we have a very thing to love for Tessa Thompson Tessa Thompson could just stand there and read a grocery list and people would be happy yeah. she's amazing <laughs> I have a Valkyrie tattoo and we're just gonna leave it there <laughs> Um, so i was wondering if you could tell me what does the comic book fandom look like i I guess what i'm trying to say is so we know gaming fandom is intense (laughs) it's it's sometimes not pleasant to be a gamer um 
It but sounds a lot like comics. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm... laughs> I mean, it, it depends, right? And, and, and there's different, and this is, this is interesting because I, I tell people I didn't collect comics when I was a kid. I collected music like people collect comics when I was a kid. And then I really got into movies that were based off of comic books, much like you were talking about, you know, video games that ended up being comic books. And I started going down the rabbit hole of comic books. It really depends. Like, honestly, Karamanosis, we have both been corrected online several times about things. In fact, I was corrected three days ago about a release date. And I was kind of like, man, I swear I was just sitting down with the author of that book and mm -hmm. he told me another date, but oh, oh, okay. Cause I work for, okay, cool. That's what I'm saying. She actually like works okay. for Marvel and you'll have people I'll go, well, that's actually not what happened. And I'm like, she's at Marvel right now responding to you. <laughs> and it's like, all you had to do was sit there and eat your food. What are you doing? What are you, why, why are you correcting me? Right. Like, and I just, at this point, it's like Tuesday on Twitter, you know. Um, right. I they'll tell you things that we already know. Hey, did you know? Nah, man, I ain't know that. It's not like I don't have an alert for my job. It's cool. Oh, it's I know. I know. A couple of days ago, we had somebody texting us like, did you know this happened? We're like, we knew it three hours before you did. Go sit down. <laughs> um, but, but I don't, I don't necessarily, that actually doesn't bother me because there's all, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that's going to, well, actually you, um, I think what bothers me are the people that are literally insidiously downright nasty. Yeah. Um, and it, I think, you know, the only thing that got a little bit scary about some of the comics gate stuff that happened was that there were creators that swore they would go to events and then like these guys would be sitting in the front row trying to intimidate them or whatever. Now I've done several panels and I remember um, doing a black heroes matter panel and um, at, well, I've done it at San Diego comic-con and I've done it um, at New York comic-con. And I remember one of the artists saying like, are you afraid that some of those people that are like racist against, you know, black comics gonna, are they going to show up? I said, am I, am I worried about certain people showing up in a room full of black people <laughs> with security wall to wall now and standing up and saying something about said room of black people? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I online there's a lot of keyboard jockeys that have a lot to say and i've literally done this i've literally had people say some nasty stuff to me online and then i will see them at, a, at an event and i'm like so what's good <laughs> oh well I, I was just you know i was just making a point i'm like no you you call me and i'm not gonna repeat it here but you call me several names <laughs> so what what seems to be the problem because it's a comic we're not saving lives here folks what's what seems to be the problem? And, and you'd be surprised how many people back down. I'm not saying that you go confront every person that says something crazy to you, but I have, I don't engage in a lot of people that start out. <laughs> if somebody starts to tweet with bitch, I probably am not going to answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and I think I've seen, um, I've talked to black girl gamers about this and there's, there's a lot of argument. I remember when they were um, just a couple of weeks ago talking about the fact that, Oh, look, Overwatch still doesn't have any 
black women characters. What's going on with that? You know, and then they've got this waves and waves of hate that went on for like days. And from the sublime, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Like if you want to engage in an actual conversation about why I or somebody feels a certain way, which I feel is the same as gaming, um, I'll entertain it. But if you're going to just start from the 10 year old whose brother took his toy and now you're having a fit, like if you're starting from that perspective and that language, yeah, just miss me, miss me with all of that. And I have to tell people, I know because I know people get bullied and stuff like that online a lot. And I'm like, put the phone down, log off, walk away for 10 yep. minutes just to get your sanity back. Yeah. And block them before you go back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, but I, I do think that the audiences of comics and gaming um, are similar. I do think they cross over a little bit. I also think. I, but I do think this. I do think that some of the vitriol that you're hearing in comics is from an older demographic than the boys yelling about the girls playing games. Mm-hmm. Not to say that pe- the people who are playing games are all young or whatever. I'm just saying I've noticed that in the differences in the audience of who has more issues with people with women playing games versus women reading or having any kind of opinion about any comic ever. Um, I also see a lot of anime and animation crossing over into games because just like you said, you don't learn about, you, you learn about some comics and some characters when they become games. Mm-hmm. A lot of anime fans follow their favorite characters into games. Um, the one off, I'm thinking off the top of my head is Persona, mm-hmm. but there's there's obviously Naruto and Bleach and things like that. Um, I even just saw a mobile game for Attack on Titan, which actually the graphics were really good. <laughs> um, so I think you also get, but I feel like there's less of that animosity in anime um, and in those games. I think I'm not saying there isn't any racism because um, I feel like I, for some reason, I feel like the racism in gaming, especially gaming when you're when you're playing, you know, team type games, you know, everybody's wearing headsets and you're hearing kids from Iowa cuss you out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it seems like it's more it's because it's so in your face. It seems like gaming is more racist than comics or some of the fans can be, but I have a feeling it's the same. Like if we were to actually like look at numbers or do a survey, I think we'd find it to be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird. Sometimes I feel like comics and games are the same when it comes to certain things. Then there are other times where I, I feel like they're they're entirely like different, split apart. But I think I think in the end it's like I mean nerdum or geekdom was always seen as comics and video games or like you know sci-fi comics and and that sort of stuff and it's it just kind of goes to show you that even if even if the audiences may differ like even if the it's like younger people in games complaining about girls or if it's older comic book readers that are complaining about women it's like it's still the same problems it's and it sucks it's still something we all need to deal with Mm-hmm. It is, and it has to be addressed. And I also think, though, 
I am, and, I, and I've said this about comics, I don't think it's only the people of color who should be fighting this. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, there, I, I really would love to, and, and I've said this in conversations, where people are like, oh, what are we going to do about that guy who keeps saying these things about women? And I'm looking at the other guys like, go get your boy. Mm-hmm. Why is it always on us to clean up you, you guys' message? He, you have been friends with him or you have done five podcasts with him. Go get your boy. Right. But there's always, it's always like that cowardless, cowardliness of like, you know, oh, I can't talk to him, you know? For right. Or, or, well, it's what I call like, there's, there's, there's bad on both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure she didn't start off by calling him out of his name. I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I, and I've said this before, I've, I've said this a lot. Um, I, I need less allies and I need more accomplices. Mm-hmm. I need less people to say, you know what, to like a tweet or like, or say on social media, like, oh, I can't believe that happened. I feel so sorry. And more people to, yo, you saw what he just did to that girl, block it, report him to Twitter. Or, you know, we joke about, you know, you know, the white woman always calling black people, you know, calling the cops on black folks or whatever. But it, we got to start turning the tables. Like we have access to the same stuff. So if you're, and I'll put it to you like this, if it was your friend or your sister or your cousin and you saw them not necessarily being physically attacked, but verbally abused, you are going to step in and do something, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to start saying, hey, listen, don't you think that's wrong? Okay, I'm not saying that you put yourself in harm's way, but you can't speak up. There are things you can do. And for God's sake, stop amplifying the negative. Like, I don't think anybody knew. I can tell you right now. No, I, there were tons of people who had never heard of Ninja before he sat up and said, I'm not going to play. I can't remember which game it was. I think it might have been Fortnite with any any women gamers mm-hmm. all of a sudden overnight tons of people know who ninja is and he's getting even more followers and even more hits which means even more money because they're retweeting the nonsense and what happens he ends up on ellen so he got paid out the wazoo from being nasty because everybody ran with it mm-hmm. and then drake like if we would and then drake played right. with them so <laughs> and then drake played with them see what i'm saying so it's like and, you know, and, and, and that's on Drake, because Drake should have been like, no, that wasn't cool. But it's just one of those things that um, we keep amplifying the negative. You and all other people, you know, out there would know more about the, and I, I, I say this, like, try and amplify the awesome. For every negative tweet or Facebook thing that you want to retweet or yell about, Take a minute and retweet or post something about a really amazing game you played, a really amazing indie comic you read, an artist or creator on Instagram that you think is fantastic. Do that instead. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's like changing the algorithm on your feed. Because you know how, like, um, emer- I don't know if you've ever been on, um, seen on Twitter, like, emergency um, 
tickets cute emergency mm-hmm. and it's all puppy, puppies and kittens and stuff like that yeah. they have over like two million followers for a reason you people want to change the algorithm in their feed so you start clicking on a bunch of cute puppies and kittens so that you can start getting nicer looking things in your feed and not constant negativity all the time mm-hmm. do the same thing start popping up what you like yeah there's there's definitely a like a obsession to not only read other people's like frustration but then also tweet your own frustration um and like in in one hand i'm sure that's very cathartic to express yourself and say why someone is being mean or um hatred or it obviously there's something nice about just talking about things that you hate but at the same uh-huh. time that can that can just weigh weigh you down um and it just absolutely you really need to make sure there there are moments where you are looking at cute puppies and cute kittens and and just amplifying the things that you love rather than retweeting all the things that you hate because it's just not doing anything like you said i agree like that and and i will say that i switched jobs i mean a lot of folks know this about my story, but like I went full time entertainment last April, and it, it you know one because I loved it, but there was there's a significant difference when you start trying to put good positive stuff in your life. Mm-hmm. So actually, I wanted to talk to you about that, uh, Angelique, because I know you studied law and you are an attorney, right? I, it, yeah. I have a lot of degree. Uh, I love that's how she's like. I... I love how she's like. Uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> that's the thing that I did once upon a time. Um, she's uh, also been in the army. Oh wow! I was. I graduated from the leadership training uh, leadership training course in Fort Knox and was ROTC and declined my commission to go to law school. So I'm gonna be very clear. Um, on what that is. Yeah, I did. I did. In fact, I was part of Jaguar Battalion. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I went to law school at 20 and, uh, graduated 23 and then worked in politics for a while. And, uh, actually came to New York, uh, to work for the Ms. Foundation for Women, uh, in 2015 and worked for them for four years and left last April, uh, to pursue my passion. Uh, which is what I do now. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, what yeah, she's she's way more awesome than me. I keep telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all. <laughs> How were there ever moments where you tried to incorporate like your law with comics or with fandom? Were, were you ever able to to blend blend the two together? I mean, that's exactly what I do for a living. Oh, okay. <laughs> to be very honest, uh, I actually just made a pitch. Um, this will be out long before I turn that in. Um, but my aspect on how I approach fandom is the idea that fandom is a societal reflection on who we are, that our superheroes are our mythology. They are mythological um, characters, they are our Zeus's and our Aphrodite's, they are our Aesop. We, we are Aesop. Like, mm-hmm. we are literally creating the stories, and stories are much more successful, they are much more impactful when they are relatable and they're reflective and they are authentic. 
Um, and so I approach it as a writer. I approach it as someone who has worked in politics. I approach it as someone who has done field organizing on the ground within politics and seen the face of people who feel utterly and completely disenfranchised from the world and how it impacts someone differently when they see themselves in a story, um, how it impacts someone differently. And then suddenly we have little black girls and little black boys who think they can go into space, how, you know, seeing uh, people who speak different languages in a way that doesn't label them a terrorist or label them a buffoon um, or fit some kind of stereotype, it allows them to dream bigger, right? So my, my undergraduate thesis was a comparative study of comedies from 1950 to 2003, uh, which, yes, is when I graduated from college. Totally fine. Uh, <laughs> and it, it talked about this idea that many of the first comedies in our country, while they were the first time that African Americans were lead in shows, uh, and two of the particular ones, Amos and Andy and Beulah, um, the stereotypes were so harsh and so detrimental that these shows were banned from syndication in African countries because of the negative depictions of African Americans. And so you understand the power of what it means to allow people to have that. And these, co these concepts were carried over into comics. They were carried over into cartoons. They were, they're carried over into all these things we know and love, which is why there was such an uproar about the appearance of Tiana in Wreck-It Ralph. It, there is, and, but also why a group of my friends, the moment we had Tiana and being someone from New Orleans, um, well, being someone from Louisiana whose father's from New Orleans, we took a group of our friends in our mid-20s to go see this movie, No Shame, because it was the first time that we had a black princess. It's, it's why today I got my Avengers jacket from a company, but because there was no black woman to put on the Avengers jacket and not saying there was never a black woman Avenger because there has been, I had a custom name tape made for my jacket because that's what representation means. So to be able to allow someone to be a superhero changes who they are. And this concept of even in Miles Morales is based off of Childish Gambino and Barack Obama. So all of these things are, are so interconnected because they are how we tell our stories and our morals and our values and our ethics and who we are as a society are reflected in it because that's what makes it successful. If you are not appealing to the consumer, then who are you appealing to? Absolutely. It, it's, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things about games is a, a lot of people don't, uh, the people who think games are games and that's it, they tend to ignore or deny the fact that it is and it's an example of our life. It is an imprint on what's going on. And I think the problem with games sometimes is that it's seen as something that's just supposed to be fun. Um, instead of something that also has impact. It can be fun and also impactful. And, and that's just something that some, some people in games just don't quite understand yet. They think that diversity means the game won't be fun anymore or, or that the game will have to have some deep message 
for some reason. I'm not entirely sure, but I think, you know, what you're, what you're talking about is something that a lot of people in games have been trying to push so people can understand that this is why they want to see more black people in video games. Like, it's important that there's a black person in Overwatch, even if Overwatch is just mm -hmm. a game about mm -hmm. shooting each other and winning a match. It's, there's still that importance there. Absolutely. So, I get, and, and the great thing is when you have opportunity to sit down with, like, Ronnie Chang, international student, uh, was a comedian that came into the studio a couple months ago, and Ronnie's a lawyer. He's a comedian, he's also a lawyer. You know, and, you know, even before I went to law school, I was a performance poet and a short story writer uh, and a features journalist. And so for me, you know, it, it creates really amazing perspectives. And heck, Jen Walters is a lawyer. She holds a lawyer, man, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so I think there is all there's always this this abundance of perspective um, and relating things that go into it. But, you know, it also comes into how you think about things, how you look at society. And for me it really guides how I approach the work I do in podcasting, the work I do when I do my interviews with folks and being able to connect the dots where sometimes the creators don't even connect the dots because they're so passionate about what they create that they're like, oh yeah, no, 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 you're right. Like that makes perfect sense. I never really thought of it like that. The same way the creators make me think about things in a very different way. Um, and I'm reading their work. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about your podcast, The Radical Geeks, just because uh, I think it's doing some great work. Um, and I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how the podcast came to be. It's all Anjali's fault, just like, it usually is. She's, she's just, no, literally, it's alcohol involved. And then I'm like, ask me to do stuff. And then I say yes. And then when I'm sober, I'm like, wait, what are we doing? That's literally yeah. how it happened. That's, yeah. Uh, I want to say that she's over-exaggerating. Um, and like, I really not by much. Not by much. But yeah, no, we, we initially met at FlameCon, thanks to a, um, a mutual colleague of our friend. Like friend last of ours. year? Was it last year? I feel like it was last year. Last year, uh, Val Complex, speaking of bringing more people to the table, uh, Val Complex at FlameCon brought a diversity LGBTQIA panel together for FlameCon here in New York, invited me to come do it. At that time, I was writing for another nerd publication. And this woman was sitting out in the audience with this dope fro, and she was very distracting. And I kept looking at her fro, and then afterwards she came up. She's a great mood, and we introduced ourselves and we talked. We're like, oh, we we both live in Brooklyn. Cool, cool, cool. And then we never saw each other again. Uh, <laughs> and then about a year later, I get asked to be in this panel uh, for Y Comic Con up in Baltimore, which I didn't realize mastermind behind it is. <laughs> Karen she didn't know it was I, me that had asked. I was like, we need another yeah. woman. <laughs> And so I ended up, uh, we ended up hanging out back in Brooklyn and we're talking. Literally, I, I think we, we were at drinks at that point after we had gone to Anyone Comics. And um, she was like, I was, 
I, I don't know how it happened, but I'm pretty sure I was like, she was like, we should do an event. And I was like, we should do a live podcast. And I just, it was I have all- no idea why I agreed to this because I'm already doing like three other podcasts. I'm like, how? Okay. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and the, the great thing about this podcast and the reason why I love it and, you know, the reason why I think Karima was like the perfect um, person to, to do this with is, you know, finding that intersection of what it means to be diverse, what it means to be, um, and, and whether that's diverse in thought, whether that's diverse in geography, whether that's diverse in sexual orientation, sexual identity, um, ethnicity, culture, religion, and what does that perspective bring to the table? And in, in particular, what does that perspective bring to the table when you are being unapologetic with your voice, both inside and outside of the creative works that you're doing? And giving, utilizing our platforms that we have in our various spaces to be able to create a new platform that allows to amplify folks that may not always fit into what people think is very neat boxes of genre. Right. Um, and I think and Carla, also people, also people that we just generally think are cool. Yeah, no, no uh, <laughs> that is actually one of the boxes. It's like, are they a creator? Cool, cool, cool. Are they slightly radical? Cool, cool, cool. Do we think they're cool? Great. Ask them to do this. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so many people and not all, not everybody is a comic book creator. Like we just had Fred Joseph, who's amazing. Um, He's an, he's an activist and a marketer, you know? Yeah, I, I think that, that goes to show the intersectionality um, of of art, basically. Like, I, I think you need to know a little of everything to make some, like, changes in art. I, th- I think that's why it's awesome to know, like, obviously for games you would need to know math and maybe some science, but you should also know some law, some anthropology, some, there's like, and, and I'm sure comics kind of work in the same way, that the 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 more that you step out of the realm of whatever you're making the the better you are i, I that's how i've always seen it as someone who kind of uh i write poetry so i've found that my poetry is better when i'm not thinking about poetry when i'm mm-hmm. thinking about like other things that's when i i find my inspiration and my inspiration is just the world around me um and that's that's something i really like about your your podcast the radical geeks is um it's just it's always bringing in new people that that just teach me new things um which i just think is awesome and very much needed uh in this world well thank you because we haven't done that many so it's funny that you're one of the few people who've actually because people have been commenting um we we, sometimes it feels like we, we feel like we're like screaming into the void um, so it's nice to hear that, um, you know, that it's affecting people, that people like what we're, what we're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's perfect. It's like once a month, which is like perfect. <laughs> There's not like a huge commitment of like, oh man, I have like 20 episodes I need to listen to. It's more like, you know, it's not too many. Um, and I, even though, I mean, I'm in Maryland, so I'm, I'm I haven't been able to see it live, but I think mm-hmm. the live aspect is also Really cool. I, I would imagine you get a lot of feedback from the audience members, right? Oh, God. If you can see some of their faces sometimes. Oh, 
Oh, their faces, not mine. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yours too. But there's just some of that live reaction. You're absolutely right. Like sometimes it's like, oh my God, if they could see what was happening right now. <laughs> no, it's and, and it's it's really great. And also, once a month, it's pretty much all me and Karen can handle. Let's be real. Yeah, because until Angelique asks to do something else. <laughs> comes up, and here's the thing though I'm joking but she she comes up with some brilliant things and because she's had 457 lives she she has this incredible way of um, tapping into people and talent and conversations in ways that I would never think of that's the other thing, reason why I think it works um, so thank you Angelique Oh, stop it. Because you know I feel the same way about you. No, I'm not a lawyer and I haven't been in, I don't know, Charlie Tango Alpha, whatever. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but, but seriously, um, you should you should come up to New York and you should let Karima take you to a comic book store, though. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I will tell you that one of the joys is that... Uh, the show is in a comic book store and it's a local comic book store that is socially conscious and has a large community aspect and really wants to bring folks in. And so doesn't charge us a venue fee. Uh, we ensure that folks come in on comic book day so that there's, there's business going into a local comic book store so we can keep our physical local comic book stores. And that was one, all Karima two. Having Karima bring you around a comic book store is the most <laughs> delightfully fun. Because it's not just that she's going to show you her favorite comic book. And this is the thing that I, I, if anyone ever tells you that comic books don't have power and they don't impact and they aren't, they aren't. Because I think other countries think of comic books very differently than we do in the States. They think of, they think of it as literature in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um particularly in, in Asian cult, many Asian cultures. Um, but the way Karima is able to take you across the lines, not just of the stories, but of the artists and of the importance and of when and the style and why this is different and what houses were there and the amount of storylines that are in her head, both as a producer um, of events, but also as a producer of video, uh, as an editor, as uh, on air, as a person that's done her own blogging and writing. Um, sometimes it is something... I don't, sometimes I forget what reality is. <laughs> it's like, wait, did that happen? Or was that Squirrel Girl? Um... <laughs> Maureen Allen Green. I'm sorry. <laughs> but thank you, Anjali. So yeah, you just got to come up and hang out with us and we'll all go to the conference shop and it'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, I just came up with an idea. I'm going to stop. See, this is going to be another podcast. No, no. <laughs> no, I was just thinking like maybe, you know how they do the record store, like bus thing every year? We could do the comic book bus thing. It'd be great. See, this is how stuff starts. And then I got to do a budget. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but then something great comes out of it. So can you really be that mad? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Angelique and Karima, for the laughs and the insight into comics that obviously I know nothing about. You can listen to their podcast, The Radical Geeks, online at theradicalgeeks.com or follow them on Twitter. Links will be in the show notes. 
Thank you all for listening to this episode of Non-Player Conversations, a podcast about celebrating the people who go ignored in gaming. I'll see you all next week for the final episode of this season. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's coming up. Oh my gosh. It's been so fast and slow at the same time. Anyway, I'll bellow off mic. See you all next week.